a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly property. This week on the million dollar plan with Pete the Planner, we answer all sorts of email questions. So here's the deal I get emails a lot. Sometimes I answer them, sometimes I don't. I'm not being rude, just being uh, practical. Uh, so of the hundreds, of emails we get a week. We try to get through as many as we can. And those that we don't, we try to answer on the, the program. So that's what we're doing today. If you want to know, learn more about our show and what we do, go to PeteThePlanner.com. My mission in life is to get you to a point where you never worry about money again. That is a moniker that must be earned. If you're listening right now and you're going, oh, I don't worry about money. I mean, we're broke and we owe the world $50,000 in uh, consumer debt and uh, I'm late on my bills but I don't worry about it. No, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for to, to make you ignorant of your problems. I, I'm looking for you to get to a point where you don't worry about money because you've taken care of business. Let me give you a terrible metaphor. <laughs> we need a sound for terrible metaphor, like boo, 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 terrible metaphor. You know, if you're driving down the highway and you don't have a spare tire in your trunk, You've not earned the right to not worry about a flat tire. You, you, every moment that you're on that highway, you got to be thinking, oh, if I hit a nail, if I hit a thumbtack, you know, thumbtacks, you know, it's a lot harder to find a thumbtack today. You ever thought about that? Oh, I feel like when I was a kid, oh my gosh, I've got so many stories for you. When I was a kid, the thumbtacks were everywhere. Now, some 25 years later, 30 years later, no thumbtacks. So much so, the only time I, I've gotten in trouble at, in school twice, one of them involved a thumbtack in third grade. I took a thumbtack, and I was at a brand new elementary school, Eagle Creek Elementary on the west side of Indianapolis. And uh, my, my buddy Chip and I, who's still a good friend today, we both took thumbtacks and carved holes into our desk. It was like we were trying to burrow out of a, a state penitentiary. We were like making a huge, over time, and we covered it with paper, and then when the teacher would walk away, we'd move the paper and then dig deep with the thumbtack. And we both got in big trouble and had to write a report on vandalism. So if you ever want to find a great read, find my third grade report on vandalism. And I did not get in trouble until my senior year in high school. But that's a different story for a different time. This week, uh, we're, again, we're answering email questions. This one's, first one is from Alex. So he's got a 262. Let's look this up. He's got a 262. Hey, Bree, can you look this up? He's got a 262 area code. Can you tell me where that's from? Yep, one uh, second. All right, so Bree's going to look up where to the 26... I'm not going to give his phone, full phone number. I mean, that'd be a little... His phone number is 262... No. Uh, so, hello, Pete. I'm a 23-year-old, and I work as a chemist making $50,000 a year. I'm currently contributing 6% to my employer-sponsored Roth 401k and maxing out my Roth IRA. I also recently started investing in a taxable account with my tax return, end of the year bonus money. I have $26,000 in student loan debt and $10,000 in a car loan. The interest rates are 5.2 and 2.45 respectively. I currently make the minimum payments on each, but feel overwhelmed by the large amount of debt. Should I keep throwing my extra money? Uh, Brie, were you coming back on to tell me where it's from? Yes, yeah. sorry, uh, Southeastern Wisconsin. 
Okay, thank you. Yep. Should I keep throwing my extra money in the taxable account or start to double down on those loans? My investments have been making more than I currently pay in interest, which is why I feel I'm at a crossroads. I appreciate any input you may have, and I love your podcast. Alex, thank you, and you have great taste. He's from South something, Wisconsin. So that's fantastic. Okay. A lot of things going on here. You may not feel like there's a lot of things going on. First of all, let me point this out. At 23 years old, he's maxed out his, his Roth IRA, which is 5500 a year. He's putting $8,500 a year away. You know what? As, as we're doing this, I'm actually going to run a million-dollar number on this guy. Uh, so he is putting away a ton of money, and he's got pretty low interest rate debts, right? So when you, th- when you think about that from the outset, you think, well, if he's if he's uh, if his money's compounding, if it's growing, then by all means, shouldn't he just keep doing that? I mean, that that's sort of the operative question. Why should he pay off low interest rate debts, uh, although he is beginning to get stressed out by the amount? I'm stalling here as I can run his million dollar plan number. Let's say he's got five thousand dollars set away. We'll just say that. As it stands now, at his current pace, he will have three point six million dollars by the time he retires. He'll become a millionaire on January 19th, 2046. That's pretty darn good. Here's the crazy thing, though. Because of inflation and because he just started his career, this young chemist will have a net monthly retirement income of $8,400 from his assets. But because of inflation, it'll feel like $2,800. See, that's what's crazy. Right now, I bet you he's got a, a household income of about take home pay of about $2,800 based on what he's putting into his Roth 401k. And uh, so his situation continues to get really interesting. Here's what I would say, Alex. Number one, once you've got an emergency fund, I don't know, based on your income of 5,000, 7,500 bucks, I would stop saving in that taxable account and probably take out one of the loans here. The car loan is going to be the easiest to take out and is also the, um, even though it's the lowest interest rate, it's, it could probably be the bigger payment. My guess is your payment, your car payment every month is higher than what your student loan uh, monthly obligation is. So if debt stinks for one reason, because you can't use that money for something else, then you would want to eliminate the debt, which is the largest monthly obligation, right? Right. Sometimes, you know, it's funny, even in your email, you talk about, well, hey, this $36,000 debt is feeling overwhelming. That's an interesting way to say that, dude, right? Because if it was overwhelming, what you would say is this 36000 the payments on this $36,000 in debt are overwhelming. You didn't say that, right? I'll read it again. Um, I currently make the minimum payments on each, but feel overwhelmed by the large amount of debt, not the large amount of payment. That's interesting to me. It's not that you're doing it wrong. It means you're, you're doing it right. Most people are overwhelmed by the payments, and that's when they make a change. You are mystically overwhelmed by the amount of debt, which is fine. So if I'm you, I would crank away and try to get rid of that car loan as fast as possible. It's a depreciating asset anyway. That's the, that's the challenge when people draw their uh, car payments out so long. You know when you see the people with like five, six, seven, eight, nine-year car loans? You've got a depreciating asset, something that's going down in value, and you've just taken your sweet time to pay it off. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a bad financial decision. So, Alex in Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Do I have any trips coming to Wisconsin up, coming up? I do, yeah. At the end of, beginning of June, I'm going to Milwaukee. I'm going to probably get my picture taken next to the Bronze Fonds, that statue of Henry Winkler 
right there on the river. I wonder what river that is. No one knows. All right, Alex. So that's what you do. Stop putting money in your taxable investment account once it's reached 5,000 to 7,500 because you do need a bit of an emergency fund and then crank away. You clearly, sir, are going to be a millionaire and good on you. That's the, the goal is not to materialistically be a millionaire, but it's to realistically be a millionaire in the sense that guess what? 44 years from now, when you're of retirement age, you're going to need millions of dollars. And even at $3.6 million, even at your current pace of $3.6 million, it's only $2,800 a month of inflation adjusted after tax money. Well, here, oh, you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I, I have to correct myself. I'm going to correct myself. Alex, since you're using a Roth instrument, there is no after tax component at all. So you'll be at uh, $10,500 a month of net monthly retirement income, but after inflation adjustments, you'll be at $3,500 a month. Still at $3.6 million. So there you go. Look at me correcting myself on the fly. I'm wrong sometimes. You know, I was driving back from Chicago twice this last couple of weeks, uh, and there is this sign in Jasper County, Indiana. Don't get that confused with Jasper, Indiana. Jasper, Indiana is in southern Indiana and is home of the Schnitzelbank, the greatest German restaurant in these Hoosier borders. Anywho, uh, I was driving through Jasper County, which is off of 65 as you go down what we call a road. Uh, wow, it's in bad shape. Anyway, going through Jasper County, and there's a sign on the side of the road that says, Jasper County, the manure capital of the world. It's a legit sign. It's not like someone, it's not like a prank, not that I know of. Although now that I think about this, I'm, I really am thinking about this. I saw it on April 1st. I really did see that sign on April Fool's Day. Let's Google Jasper County, Indiana. Uh... Uh, it's taking me to that. Okay. Manure. I, it's always weird to Google manure. You know, you just, it seems like something you would never Google. Um, oh, here we go. New fertilizer. No, that's not it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's the manure capital of the world. Now here's what's disconcerting about it. The next the next billboard, probably a half mile up the road was a McDonald's billboard that says we have large bathrooms. So you've got one billboard that says the manure capital of the world. Then a half mile later, on the same side of the street, it says, we have large bathrooms. I think uh, Jasper County has got some issues. Am I right? Do they need more fiber or less fiber? I don't know how that, I don't, I always forget with fibers. Bree, with fiber, fiber creates it or prevents it? What does fiber do? Do you know? You're a doctor? Um, I'm not a doctor. Uh, fiber, it helps... You, you take, Move things. Oh, okay. Okay. You thank know. you. Okay. Yeah. So Jasper County's got a lot of fiber. Maybe they're the fiber capital of the world. Man, this show's good. All right. And coming up after the break, we're going to answer more of your financial questions. And I'm going to try to figure out why Jasper County claims to be the manure capital of the world. Oh, that's so weird. So weird. That's next. I'm Pete the Planner. Stop what you're doing. And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man. The voice is 
opinion is strong as any can But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world So they ain't really fitting in I'm in the background blending in Camouflaged by the scenery But I'm a champion Revamp the camp again Alright, I just looked here in the commercial break we, uh, Just joined us, this is Pete the Planner It's a financial show and I'm talking manure So Jasper County is where Fair Oaks Farms is if you ever drive up 65 after you make it past the alien uh, windmills just north of Lafayette, you get to Jasper County and there's Fair Oaks Farms, which is this gigantic farm. I don't know. There's there's like a pig situation. There's cows. There's kids can play. You can watch cows being born, which I don't recommend on an empty stomach. Uh, there's, there's a restaurant. You can get milkshakes and grilled cheese. Anyway, because I got all these pigs and these cows... They've also got a lot of cow, or I, I guess you could call it bull manure. And so th because of this manure, they have a, uh, uh, a new facility. They are making Terra New Nutrient Technology. Midwestern BioAg unveiled a new manufacturing process that transforms manure into a uniform dry fertilizer granule that can be efficiently stored, transported, and spread. The process infuses essential crop nutrients into a manure base to give more farm access to the biological benefits of manure. Okay. Speaking of BS, let's get to my next email question. Um, this one is from Corey. Corey, uh, 720, uh, Bree, can you please find the area code that is 720? I'm just trying to show you the diverse reach of this show. Um, all right. And, and uh, the question is, is a 35% power percentage really realistic? His subject line is, is a 35% power percentage really realistic? Wouldn't it just be realistic? Isn't really realistic redundant? I don't know. I Yes? Uh, Denver. Denver. 720 is Denver. Thank you. Uh, hi, Pete, or to whoever, whoever is reading this. I recently listened to your power percentage podcast and was really impressed with your financial ideology regarding the power percentage. Personal finance has been a hobby of mine since I got burnt by $5,000 of unnecessary debt in my late teens. That just screams of health club membership, doesn't it? I'm a single 27-year-old, drive, drive a paid-off car, invest 12% towards retirement, includes employee contributions. Retirement is between a Roth and a traditional. Invest 8% gross toward emergency savings, 4.33% gross towards a taxable brokerage account, and to show off uh, and to show for all of it, my net worth is in the low 40s. The only debt I have is a small chunk of credit card debt. The problem I had was that after computing my power percentage, I have less than satisfactory power percentage at 25%. By the way, I'm going to pause uh, the reading of his email for a second. 25% is satisfactory, right? Okay, so the scale for power, and if you missed anything about my power percentage, so here at, at uh, Pete the Planner Industries, what do we call this place, Bree? What do we call this place? Um, Pete the Planner does whatever he wants place? Yeah, there it is. That's the way, that's what we call this. All right. That seems a little bit judgmental, but we'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so Pete the Planner, uh, I can't even talk. Power percentage is how we measure how efficient you are with your income. You can calculate your power percentage. You listen to episode 120, 120 of the Million Dollar Plan podcast. I urge you to do it. 30 minutes of your life that you're glad you'll take uh, towards uh, your financial life. 
10% or below is bad, okay? There's no qualms about that. If your power percentage is below 10%, you're in trouble. Between 11 and 20% is okay. 21 uh, to 34% is good. So, dude, what's your name? Corey, I think. Corey from Denver, 21 to 34% is good. You're good. You're not less than satisfactory. 35% above is great. Sorry, dude, you're 27, you're not great. This seems like it's going to be like judgmental towards millennials. But, dude, that's just the reality. Is you're 27, you're doing a great job. You're doing a good job. You're just not doing a great job. Um, having nurtured that mindset that I want to be financially... Back to his email. Having nurtured the mindset that I want to be financially secure and often crunching the numbers to account for various levels of inflation, market returns, inputs in the future as my financial portfolio goes, I've been positive about my financial future and thought I've been fairly successful so far. When I heard that you are in the 40s and 50s for power percentage, my jaw dropped. Other comments also remarked at their higher power percentage, which amazes me. Amazes me. While I make a good living as middle class, it appears that you can't sustain a 35% power percentage unless you have very high household income relative to the pool of participants who utilize that income. Assuming you have 25% lost in taxes, then 30% lost in expenses, rent and gas and whatever, you only have 45% of discretionary income that you have uh, to not only save, but to actually live on. The only thing you have to worry about is lifestyle creep with a high income. Otherwise, that 45% could be blah, 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 blah. I only wonder if a power percentage more than 35% is really sustainable. Am I missing something? Which I likely am. Much thanks, Corey. Hey, Corey, thanks for your question. I feel like I always start out strong reading emails or reading a news article here on the radio uh, but then I, I, I flail. That was always my attitude about like uh, assigned reading in school though. I'd read like the first six pages of whatever was assigned. I'm like, oh, I'm totally into this. And then I'd bail. And then I would lead the classroom discussion based on my first six pages uh, of reading. And I'd jump in early. If you got kids listening at home right now, if there's kids listening to this, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, the, how to survive uh, literature class, read the first few pages start in, lead the conversation from the jump. When your teacher's like, hey, what's going on? Uh, what do you guys think about last night's reading? Jump in, start dropping people's names that are in the first six pages of reading, and then bow out. You've tapped out. And then just listen to other people's stuff, pick it up. That's how you survive school. <laughs> My wife's a high school English teacher, and if she hears this segment, she will literally kill me. That is her worst nightmare. We were in a uh, English class together, a literature class in college together, and she wanted to choke me the entire time. <sighs> okay, so here's the point, Corey. <laughs> uh, you're 27. You say you're, mi you're middle class. I don't know what that means income-wise. Unfortunately, politicians have taken the word middle class, and it can mean up to $250,000 a year. Uh, I'm guessing you make forty to fifty thousand dollars a year in Denver. That's that's probably middle class, maybe. Um, so here's the thing. You're fine. You're you're at twenty five percent. Yeah, at thirty five percent. I don't know how much you have to make to be at thirty five percent. You're a single person with one income, so two incomes into your household would definitely change some efficiencies there. I don't know. I think 35% eventually is in the cards as your pay increases, as you get pay increases and you don't uh, absorb those pay increases and, and, and experience lifestyle creep, by all means, you could get to 35%. 
Yeah, this is, this is a provocative question. It's got me thinking, right? Because conceivably, someone who is right out of school making 40000 bucks, there's no way their power percentage is 35%, even if they're aggressively paying on student loans. The only way it is is if they live with mom and dad because then they don't have housing expenses. Now, there is one element of this that's worth noting. Uh, Corey uh, assumes that there'd be 25% lost in taxes, which is fine. I'm not going to argue that number. But for people at a certain income level, to his point, I deduct so much out of my paycheck for to max out my 401k. Let, let's, let's just choose a round number. Let's say you make $100,000 a year, okay? If you take $18,000 out, that's 18% right off the top, right? And let's say your employer matches 4%. Uh, so you're at uh, another 22, or you're 22% right there. Um, and then you add on a max out in HSA of 6,700 bucks, then you're at 28%, 20, between 28 and 29% right there. You pay your mortgage. Let's say that adds another couple, another couple percentage points. It takes you to 31%. So you can see you can get there pretty quickly. I know when people hear me say that people who make $100,000 should max out their 401k, they don't like that. I'm well aware of that. I've written an entire blog post about it. But it is my belief if your household income is $100,000 a year, at least $18,000 a year needs to be going towards 401ks within your household. When I say it's my belief, it's important you understand that it's actually based on something. It's not just like, I believe a Coke is better than Pepsi. It's not like a belief that way. It's not an opinion. Um, you have to put 12 to 14% of your income away for retirement your entire career in order to have a, a reasonable chance at, at retirement success. And see, where I, I'm sort of obsessed over this recently, and I was going to do the show about this today, but I chose emails because I didn't want the show to turn into one really long rant. I would rather have spent some time on manure production, which is also a bit of a rant. You are either on a successful path to retirement or you aren't, right? Now, there's going to be times in your lives when you're in your early 20s when, no, you're not on the path. I mean, when I, when I first graduated from school, I was pretty much on a 100% commission income. My wife still had six months of student teaching to go. No, we were not on a successful path to retirement. But shortly after that, we had to, we had to get real and say, yeah, we, we, we're going to need to start preparing, but if you're listening to this and you're in your 40s and you currently are not on a successful path to retirement, what is going to change? 20 years are gone. That's, that's what's bothersome about the idea of the retirement crisis that we're all in the midst of. It's sort of a silent killer, too. What's that? Is it carbon monoxide? Bree, is that the silent killer or is radon the silent killer? Which one is it? I think... Both? Okay, anyway. They're both silent? Carbon monoxide and radon are both silent killers. So is the retirement crisis. Because just because your life is fine now and you can afford to go on vacation, do all sorts of stuff, doesn't mean that when your job ends, when you're in your 60s, that you're going to be able to survive the next 34 to 40 years with no income. Right? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I feel like, you know, have you ever seen the movie uh, the, with The Rock... Um, San Andreas, it's where he's a helicopter pilot uh, for the Coast Guard, I think, in San Francisco or something, or LA, no one knows. And uh, there's a big earthquake, and uh, there's a scientist in the basement at this earthquake institute that figures out the earthquake's coming before anything else. 
I feel like that si- I don't feel like the rock. Although no, I don't feel like the rock. I feel like the nerdy scientist in the basement that's going, we got a problem. We got a problem. No one's listening. We got a problem. We are in a retirement crisis. The power percentage, Corey, and why we want people to take a look at it is it, it, it helps you know if you're taking your financial life seriously. And what's nuts, and, and for those listening that have never run their power percentage, you do it. Listen to episode 120 of the Million Dollar Plan. Just Google power percentage and Pete the Planner. It was a USA Today column I wrote too. So just Google power percentage and Pete the Planner. It's a lot of P's. It's alliteration. The reason I want you to run it is because if you think your financial life is dandy, like you legit look at me and you're like, yeah, it's great, man. No problem. And you're below 10%. You're either been lying to yourself or you were so far off the mark that I'm glad that you, you know what's up now. All right. Coming up, uh, coming up after the break, one more email question, I think, uh, and more. This is a million dollar plan. I'm Pete the Planner. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher, ATFU, Naptown, yeah. Cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me Gary Indiana game. Grew up around the country, but the mindset was there. Ain't I won't complain. Uh, I went to spin class this week with my wife. So she's a runner, but every once in a while, I mean once or twice a week. She'll go to a spin class, you know, where you're like, you're in this dark room, and there's this music playing, there's bright lights, and you're you're on a stationary bike going a bazillion miles an hour. It's very sweaty, lots of people in Lycra. Anyway, I went with her this week, sat on the bike very right, right next to her. Turns out, I'm not in shape. I could barely walk uh, this morning when I got up, because I did that this week, and uh, I feel like I'm dragging my legs behind me, like I'm Jabba the Hutt. You know that scene they added to uh, episode three of Star Wars or episode four of Star Wars, New Hope, or in the cantina scene, and then they animatronically added or digitally added Jabba Hut to the Hut to the remastered version where he's just sort of dragging his legs. That's what I feel like tonight. All right, it's uh, email uh, episode, the Pete the, Pete the Planner show, Million Dollar Plan. I can't talk today. It's because my legs hurt. Okay, well, this is about to get dark. All right, so uh, this is uh, from a, a, a listener uh, named Allison. Subject line, my dad was a big fan. He died. Things are kind of messy. Hey, Pete, been a big fan for a long time. My dad was too. We have to say he probably followed more of your advice than me. One thing he did was follow your advice for freezing my parents' credit. It sounds great, but now my mom can't get anything in her name because she doesn't know the answers to the security questions that they're asking. High school best friend, sure, she knows his name, but did he say his first or first and last or his nickname? Or wait, was it the friend he hasn't talked to since who knows when? She has the pen numbers that he used, but they're just wrong. She has some that he wrote down and some that he printed off, and they're all wrong. Anyway, this, on top of all the stress of losing her husband of forever, 
This is an enormous pain. Plus, her tax refund is inexplicably three weeks late. Everyone at the IRS says, yes, it looks like that, and sends her to someone else, then she's disconnected. What do you think? A great blog post in the making, or weeks of time on the phone and frustrations, or both? Allison. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss. That's... uh, it, it it can be frustrating when you're just trying to mourn the loss of a loved one and then you're dealing with the financial ramifications and realities of uh, their life. Uh, wh- one of the most painful stories I have as a financial advisor when I was a financial advisor, which I am no longer, was a friend slash client who he was in his 60s when he died and he was a you know, old school guy. He would tell his wife, I got it. I'll take care of it. I got it. I got it. Like she had very little relationship with their finances. He wrote all the checks. You can see I'm sort of dating myself here. He was writing all the checks. He paid all the bills. She worked. But I mean, it's almost like he doled out an allowance. She didn't even know where they banked unless she looked at her bank card. Well, he died. They had an estate of uh, two and a half million bucks or so, maybe. She couldn't get access to anything for six months. And you're thinking, well, Pete, you were their financial planner. Couldn't you have uh, fixed this? Well, it's not that easy. So for six, for six months, we were just scrambling, trying to remember passwords and where he banked. He had businesses and more businesses and more businesses. And she couldn't get access to any of that because he didn't do a, st- a proper estate planning. It's really tough to put your, your loved ones in a bind when it comes to these information. And by the way, the person who's writing this letter, letter, their, their dad didn't do anything wrong in the sense that it's not like he was maliciously uh, hiding information. I mean, by God, he was just answering the security question by saying his best friend's name. You know how those security questions are. What's the first car you drove? What street did you grow up on? What's the expectation? The reason they ask those questions are, are because not, no one else really knows them about you and the way you would answer them. So even your spouse... I think about some of the security questions that I answer and there's no way my wife knows the answer because they're just weird little things. So there's two separate issues here. Number one, you're going to have to call the IRS or pardon me. Let's start with calling the credit bureaus. When you freeze your credit, which you should freeze your credit, you get a pen number. But when someone dies, um, the pen number doesn't even particularly matter. But you need to call the uh, credit bureaus and notify them of death so you can start to get things rolling again. They'll probably um, request a death certificate, which is super common. And if you've ever dealt with the death of a loved one, you know that you need about 50 death certificates to get things transferred over to the right areas and the right names. So that's number one, call the credit bureaus, all three of them, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Now, the second issue is the IRS. Now, I'm going to speak from experience here. Uh, Last year, I uh, submitted my tax return and it turns out I was due a refund. So I didn't get the refund within the three to five weeks promised. I called, I called 19 weeks later, I got my refund and it was for a different amount more than what I thought was due to me. Now over that time frame, I'd spent hours on the phone with the IRS and it was a disaster. I got hung up on repeatedly. I got transferred and then hung up on repeatedly. So 
I have no great advice when dealing with the IRS other than to block out an entire afternoon and don't think you can get it done in 20 minutes because you'll be on hold for 90 minutes. And it is tax season right now too. So you might consider uh, the fact that their hold times and their lines are through the roof and people are stressed and make mistakes. So man, I don't even feel like I'm answering the question. I'm sorry, Allison. I feel bad. Have your mom call the credit bureaus and then keep calling the IRS and just know it's a horrendous experience. I don't like to complain about the government. I'm not one of those people that I don't like wave a don't tread on me flag and I'm angry about the government. I don't really care about any of that. Not that there's anything wrong if you, if you wave a don't tread on me flag. Although I have told you one of my neighbors has a don't tread on me flag flying and we live in one of the most restrictive homeowners association uh, neighborhoods on the planet. Like the, the idea that this guy has the don't tread on me flag, yet he has to get permission to paint his door a different color, it cracks me up. Like, is the irony not lost on, on just me? Like, he he's don't tread on me. That's like how he defines himself. Yet he has to email someone to say if he can paint his door a different color. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway, I'm sorry about the death of your dad, Allison. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you other than uh, the IRS is stinks to deal with. And you are going to get hung up on a lot and it's a disaster. <laughs> how, the, how about that for capping off uh, uh, the mailbag segment of the show? So coming up after the break, we'll hit the biggest waste of money of the week and the news. This is the Million Dollar Plan. I'm Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift this week's biggest waste of money of the week calm. is... Swift we'll get there in just a second. Hey, it's uh, the spring. You know what? Uh, I'm a spring cleaner. I, I really am. Like, it hits, it hits decent weather. Like, this weekend, I'm out. I'm mowing the grass, fertilizing. I'm uh, cleaning out the garage. So if you want to spring clean your finances, how about that for a segue? That was kind of gross. Go to PeteThePlanner.com. Lots of stuff for you on there. Lots of free stuff. Lots of stuff you want to get more involved. I highly recommend the Million Dollar Plan course. If you want to be like our first emailer of the day, whatever that guy's name was, and have yourself on a path to be a millionaire, take the Million Dollar Plan course. I like it. I think it's one of the best things we've ever put out. Million dollar plan course. It's in the Pete the Planner store. So find it. All right. This week's biggest waste of money of the week is the VARD. I ate Kilkia super yacht with an ice classed hole and ability to travel for 30 days without stopping for fuel or supplies. The VARD 108 Kilkia super yacht is meant to be a true globe explorer. Measuring in at over 250 feet, it has ample deck space with room for a pool, glass-enclosed dining area, a helipad, while inside it has 18 cabins with enough space for up to 36 passengers. 
A total of four electric generators and four diesel engines drive two propellers, giving the giant vessel a cruising speed of 12 knots and a top speed of 15.4 knots. Space to stow tenders, small water vehicles, and even small planes ensure you can make the final leg with ease. The price tag for the Vard 108 Kilkia Superyacht, $72 million. You know, my bigger biggest issue with this is, is, is the use of knots. Like, I get it. I get it that we have to have different units of measure to, to deal with different things, but can we just not go miles per hour? Right? Why do we need knots? I'm convinced, I'm sure there's a really good reason for knots. And, and, and knowing the, the listeners of this program, I'm sure half of you are going to send me why knots are important. But to me, when I'm on a boat, knots are just a way that the person driving the boat can tell me I know nothing about driving boats. Uh, we're moving along at about 15 knots. I don't know what that means. I'm seasick. I got a little tab behind my ear so that I don't get seasick, but I'm still seasick. And you're talking about knots and I'm trying to do the math in my head and I can't come up with anything. I just, I just don't like in a plane, right? In a, in a plane, they talk about, do they talk about knots too? Now that I think about this, hold on. But I do know, like, if you look on the, the screen when you're flying, it'll say how, how many miles an hour are you going like 500 miles an hour. I think they also talk about knots. Anyway, I think I'm done. I think I'm done talking to you this week. Uh, read my column in USA Today or uh, any other Gannett paper. They're all over the place. They, they just added a bunch of papers that my column's in every Sunday, and I, they didn't tell me which ones they are. So now I'm getting all these emails with different area codes and zip codes. I don't know where these people are. We're all one community, though. We're all one community. That's it for this week's show. I think the next time you hear the show, we will have redesigned the Pete the Planner television studio. Getting that done next week. So we are not visual this week. It's only audio here on the Million Dollar Plan. So uh, in the meantime, watch episodes of PeteThePlanner.tv. They're fun. A good one on body language this week. Body language. How to starfish before a big meeting. Fascinating. I'm done. So anyway, I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is a million dollar plan. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money right, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial Divisor. Release from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me ET or to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations. I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound to travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm. 
took me home Filled by the ink and the megabytes And the hypertext transfer protocol Stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator I push faders into warp speed Glide with ease, creating a breeze They call a black hole, event horizon No rear view concerns This I adjourn, adjourn. and beats I burn This I adjourn, and beats I burn Salutations, I bring you love, Tron, greetings from a far away land. I am the sole controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, Tron, can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?